0: Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell O'Gaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Amen. It's good to see every one of you. Let's get into the Word, learning on the Kingdom. How many of you have been getting some things from the messages? Praise God. Learning, 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 learning on the kingdom. Getting our mind renewed concerning the kingdom. Alright, let's pray. And let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And Father, we thank you because... Through the entrance of your word, understanding and light comes forth and our knowledge is built up in the, person of the, in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray, Father God, that light and understanding will come forth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So we started talking about the gospel of the kingdom and we're in part four. How many of you have been following the series? Alright. How many of you have been learning something from the series? Okay. How many of you, your mind has been renewed as you listen to the series? It should do something to your mind, right? Not, something, not just something to your mind, it should do something to your behavior. To change your behavior. Right? Because the word of God, the, the word of God we hear must reflect in our lives. That's the essence. If it doesn't reflect in our life, then it's just some other thing. But we're in the gospel of the kingdom part four. So we have been able to trace that John the Baptist started preaching the message of the kingdom. Uh, Jesus ended the disciples, started preaching the message of the kingdom, right? And Paul preached the message of the kingdom. Now, Paul actually got a revelation of the message of the kingdom from Jesus Christ himself. Directly. Okay? Uh, after the accounts I spent some time in, in, in Arabia. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 19. And I want to encourage you, share these messages. Share them. Okay? And... Not only share them, listen to them again. Even if you are in the service, listen to them again. You know, I told you something the other day, Acts chapter 19, go to verse 8. Uh, even on Sunday mornings, even on Sunday morning, this morning, before I came to service, I had listened to a message already. This morning, before I came to service, I would listened to, or, to a message already. You've, you've got to listen to the messages. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Those of you who do a lot of housework... Hmm? When you get up in the morning after your prayers, after your devotion, put the message on. Before you would brush your teeth, and those of you who stay a long time in the bathroom, you know, some of you go to the bathroom and that's where you remember all the songs that you've forgotten. And then you sing for one hour before you start baiting. That's enough time to get the word of God in your spirit. When I get up in the morning after my prayers, all the time I'm getting ready for service, I'm feeding my faith. I'm, 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 I'm receiving, I'm listening to messages. Make it your habit. Before you check what's up on social media and how many likes you got overnight, all right? Make sure you you get your faith fed. We are in trying times. We're in trying times. Health-wise, praise God. I don't think there's any year that we've had more people passed on um, like this year. And then also, uh, officially, uh, the government has, um, well, economic people have declared that the nation is in a recession. Praise God. Then some of you go to the market and you see how prices of things have skyrocketed. Everything is going up except your salaries. Amen. And and you you can't survive on the natural. You've got to believe God for some supernatural supplies. Come on, I said you have to believe God for some supernatural supplies. Amen. And so on the first week of December, we're going to have the weekend of increase Amen. I'm going to teach you how God blesses his people. So when the nation declares a recession, then the kingdom of God should declare an increase. I said when the nation declares a recession, then we should officially declare that it's a moment of increase. Because the word of the Lord says it will keep us alive in famine. Yes. Amen. So we will have a weekend of increase because we are not of this kingdom. There is a recession we know, but we are not participating in it. Because in Colossians chapter 1, we've been transferred into another kingdom. So we will hear from heaven. And heaven says, it's the time of abundance. Glory to God. Because when man says there is a casting down, then the children of the kingdom must lift up their voice. And say what? There is a lifting up. You have to say something. You have to say something. Don't say, oh, I don't know how we will survive. Well, you're not in the kingdom yet. You're just outside. Well, come in. Once I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed beg for bread. That means God's got a plan for not just us. God has a plan for our children. And that plan means that they will not beg for bread. Somebody, are you here? Acts 19, verse 8. Pause. The scripture says, And he entered the synagogue, glory to God, and continued speaking out boldly. Everybody says speaking out boldly. Now, we don't need to be ashamed of the message of the kingdom. We don't need to say it in ourselves. We need to speak out boldly. Now, I like this. For three months, reasoning, I like, I like the word reasoning, persuading them about the kingdom of God. So, the message of the kingdom is not just something we preach out there. It has to be reasoned. People have to understand it. Because many people have not understood it. And that's why we're taking our time to, to, to reason and to persuade men about it. We have to persuade men concerning the message. But he was speaking very boldly about it. You know, but when some were becoming hardened, you know, some people listen to the message. Instead of receiving the message, they become hardened. And disobedience. (laughs) Speaking evil of the way before the people. You know, some people are very funny. They will not receive a message and they will discourage everybody from from receiving the message. Some people are like that. They won't go to church. They will discourage everybody from going to church. They won't give, they'll discourage everybody from giving. And that's what was happening here. They were speaking evil of the way. Before the people, he withdrew them and took them away, the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So what Paul did was when the people were not receiving the message, he took them and began to reason with them daily. Teaching them daily. That means conviction is bettered by consistency. If you want to be convinced about something, you've got to be consistent about it. You know, concerning, and I pray the Lord will give us the liberty to talk about that uh, in our weekend of increase. I've never been, been bothered about the natural economy. I mean, it concerns me because a couple of our members are affected and all of that and jobs and all of that. But you know, over time, I've built the ability of God to supernaturally provide in my heart that that news doesn't move me. The news out there doesn't move me. When something is of a great concern to me, I do exactly what I taught you in anxiety-free living. What do I do? I cast my care on God because I know that He cares for me. I can't have the care and God has the care at the same time. Praise God. You know, I'll tell you this story. There was this lady, they carried her in a vehicle. She, she was old and she had this thing coming from the farm. I don't know if it's a true story or, or, but it's a story. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know whether it's true or, or made up, but it's a story. So the 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 man helped the lady and carried the lady in the in the vehicle, and then the lady carried her cassava stems on her leg. And the 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 man that helped the lady said, "Well, you can keep it on, you know, inside the boot or somewhere." She said, "No, you've already helped me. If you have helped me to carry me, what's here in this cassava stuff that I cannot carry?" Some of you are like that. Mm. God, I'm born again, but just it's okay. I can manage poverty. (laughs) No, no. The redemption that Jesus gave you covers every aspect of your life. It covers your mind. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. I see all of these things going on on social media. Check your mental health. Make sure your mental health is okay. See a therapist if you need to see a therapist. Well, I don't have any problem with therapists. But from Genesis to Revelation, I've got enough information to keep my mind sane. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If the Holy Spirit can't keep your mind sane, then we need another holy one. Because I see Christians getting into all of that psychology thing. It looks like wisdom. But we've, we've got the greater one on the inside of us. The helper is on the inside of us. Do you understand what this means? God lives in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So there were reasoning concerning the kingdom. Now go to Acts chapter 28. Acts is the last... No. Chapter 28 is the last chapter in the book of Acts. Chapter 28 is the last chapter. If you have 29... That means you're a super Christian. Acts 28, last chapter in the book of Acts. Go to verse 23. When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him at his lodging in large numbers. You know, when I used to believe God for my rent, this was one scripture that I used to, I used to use Acts chapter 28 verse 30 to believe God for my house rent every year. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him. This was the scripture myself and my wife used to believe God for our rent when we used to pay rent. It says he was in his house, he paid two years' rent. He didn't say he had issues with the landlord. (laughs) Every area of my life, I've got scriptures for it. This was the scripture I used to believe God for rent. And it worked. Okay, verse 23. When they had set a day for Paul, they came to him in his lodging, his own house. In large numbers. That means it was not a small house. Because if it, was a, if it was a small house, they will not be there in large numbers. Am I right? Yes. You've got to pay attention to these things. Everything in the Bible matters. You pay attention to it. So when you read he was in his lodging in, a, in, la, in large numbers, you tell yourself, well, that means that this is not my end point. Because if he had large numbers in his lodging, my current lodging can only take one number. Not large numbers. Okay, somebody didn't get that. And he was explaining to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and from the prophets from morning until evening. I mean, come on. If, 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 from morning until evening, Paul was trying to talk to them about the kingdom. Persuading them That means this is not just the message you throw out there People have to understand it He was persuading them concerning what? The kingdom Now let's go to verse 30 and 31 The last verse in the book of Acts The last two verses in the book of Acts Look at this And he stayed two full years In his own rented quarters I like this And was welcoming all who came to him If he was owing the landlord rent, I'm not sure the landlord would have allowed him to welcome people. Verse 31, preaching. What was he doing with his house? Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ will all openness unhindered. Now, pay attention to this. The last chapter, the last verse in the book of Acts talks about preaching the kingdom of God. So we understand that this is important to God's mind. Now, I want to look at three scriptures that talk about the kingdom and give you a bit of explanation to them so we can wrap up this series and then we'll continue some other day as the Lord enables us. Go to Luke chapter 17 and verse 20. Luke 17. So I'm looking at Luke 17 and I'm looking at uh, Acts chapter 10, i I'll Luke 11, 20 and Romans chapter 14. So please go to Luke chapter 17 Uh, Just explain a couple of scriptures here That talks about the kingdom And then we'll wrap up this series Luke chapter 17 If you're there say amen Amen Did you say amen? Okay Verse 20 Luke 17 verse 20 It says Now having been questioned by the Pharisees Please pay very very close attention to this Having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when, when, right? If I use the word when, I'm talking about the issue of timing, right? If I say where, I'm talking about location. Am I right? Am I right? If I say, when did you come? I'm looking at the time you came. So if I say, where did you come from? I'm looking at what? the the location you came from right okay so It says, now, the 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 Pharisees were asking him when the kingdom of God will come. Now, why were the Pharisees asking him when the kingdom of God will come? Because the Pharisees had an expectation of how the kingdom will come or when the kingdom will come. Because the Pharisees understand, we read in the book of Acts, that Paul was persuading them from the law and the prophets about Jesus and the kingdom. Now, the issue is they understood that when it's time for the Messiah, the Messiah will usher in the kingdom. Follow me now that the Messiah will usher in the kingdom. Now, this man keeps saying he is the Messiah, but they do not see the kingdom. Because their mindset is that the kingdom is going to come, you know, the way other kingdoms come. You know, have you watched Spartacus? Or Troy? And if you watch those movies? Not Rambo. Have you watched? I mean, Rambo looks more energetic. But, you know, if you watch all of those movies, you see how they take... You know, so you see the lead warrior on a horse galloping and all the guys shouting and all this sort. And that's their concept. Because that's how other kingdoms, come on now, take over. But now this guy is about dying. This guy says he's the Messiah. He Everything about the kingdom is fulfilled in his life, but they don't see anything. So they ask him, so, okay, let's even agree that... You are the Messiah. When actually is this kingdom going to come? Look at how Jesus addresses the, 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 the answers the question. Now having been questioned by the Pharisees. As to when the kingdom of God was coming. He answered them and said. He answered them and said. The kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Pause. How many of you have heard message about the signs of the end time? Hmm? And people teach the signs of the end time as a periscope set for the coming of Christ. Totally wrong. The sign in Matthew 24 were signs that happened in AD 70 when the Romans invaded Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. Go back and read it. Jesus was talking about the destruction of the temple in AD 70. Go read church history. Because when they invaded, the, when they invaded to conquer Rome, and then the abomination of dissolution happened, they sacrificed a pig in the Holies of Holies. It was, it was disastrous. Go and look for um, the, the Jewish historian called Josephus and read his books. What Jesus gave as a sign of the end time. He says the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all nations. Then the end will come. Not words and rumors of words. Go back and read Matthew 24. It's clear there. It's clear. Because Jesus himself said that is not the sign that tells you about the kingdom. And how do I know that? If you go to Timothy, the scripture says perilous time shall come. Hmm? And it says men shall be lovers of themselves. ungrateful." Mm? Yeah, I know I'm I know <laughs> I, I understand this silence. Because all your life you've built a theology on wars and rumors of wars, and from the days of Jesus, wars and rumors of wars have always been continuing and war will still continue. Hmm. That's why the scripture says that Paul was persuading and reasoning with them. This is reasoning now. I'm not preaching to you. I'm reasoning with you. Somebody say, well, we are in the last days. No, we're not in the last days. The last days started in Acts chapter one, chapter 2. Peter said, um, the prophet Joel says, On the last day I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your young ones shall dream dreams, and your old men shall see visions. Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet joel if i say on the 20th of november i will pour out of my house a cup of wine and you shall drink wine and then my comes and say this is that which pastor said about and you actually taste wine does that wine not tell you that today is the 20th of november the last day started in acts chapter 2 you're not in the last days It's clear. It's simple. It's English. Peter said, "This is that which Prophet Joel said." Prophet Joel said, "In the last day, I poured out my spirit." The Acts chapter two was when the spirit was poured out, and that's when Joel said, "This is the last day." So, what is the last day? The last day is the end of Judaism. The new day, which is today, which is the day of salvation. It's the day of Jesus. Okay, we'll talk about the last day some other time. Let's go on now. But is, that, is it clear? Yes, <laughs> Don't just say yes so I can move on. <laughs> See Pastor, So what are you saying? I'm saying exactly what the Bible said. That the last day is not 2020. The last day started 2000 plus years ago when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Because Jesus clearly said, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh in the last days. Now, the funny thing is we go to Matthew 24, we take all the wars and rumors of wars as signs of the last day, but we forget to go to perilous times in 1 Timothy, and when men are lovers of money, ungrateful, ingratitude, disobedient to parents, we don't teach those signs, and those signs are more deadly than wars. When last did you experience a war here? When last did you experience somebody being ungrateful to you after all you have done? If we are wise, we will even teach that more as a signs of the last days than wars and rumors of wars. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. Don't worry, we'll deal with the last day. And these are very easy concepts. The best way to learn these things is forget what you have learned before and just read the Bible for what it is. The Bible is self-explanatory. Self-explanatory. You know, somebody says, well, the Bible is confusing. No, it's not. You've got to be patient to, to study it. And that patience is what we don't have. If you, if you are a diligent student of the Bible, go back home, take all the scripture that talks about the last day and read them. They will explain themselves to you. All the scripture that talks about the last day. They will just explain themselves to you. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, let's, let's, let's focus on this now. Luke chapter 17. Did you learn something from there? Okay. Now, having me questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. So Jesus is clear that number one, the kingdom of God will not come with signs to be observed. So anybody teaching the coming of the kingdom with signs has already missed this very thing that Jesus said. Is it clear here? (laughs) Okay, let's, let's go on. Look at this. Nor will they say, look, here it is. Or, there it is. It's clear. Jesus says, they will not say, there is the kingdom. Or here is the kingdom. Number one, it's not going to come with observable signs. Number two, it's not going to come With You can point it and say, there is the kingdom. Or, here is the kingdom. So, Jesus has told us three things about the kingdom we identify Number one, it will not come with visible signs. That means we cannot observe it with our physical eyes. Number two, it has told us, Jesus told us, we cannot point to where the kingdom is. So, he tells us now where the kingdom is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Okay. Remember what I said. Paul was reasoning. Let's reason together. If I come and ask you, when will Mr. Kalada come? Right? I ask you, when will Mr. Kalada come? And you now say, Mr. Kalada will not come with a car. Or Mr. Kalada will not come with a bike. Alright? What's um, what's the next thing he said there? Nor will you say, Here is Mr. Kalada seated at the right side of pastor, Or Mr. Kalada seated at the left side of pastor. But Mr. Kalada is within you, Or in your midst. What does that tell you about the answer to the question of when the kingdom will come? I need to hear the correct answer. If I don't hear the correct answer, I will close the door and take all your money. What's the correct answer? What what, how, what? what? How's that answer to what they asked Jesus? What will you now say is the answer to the question of the Pharisees? If you were to answer that from, from Jesus' The kingdom is what? If the kingdom was already there 2,000 plus years ago, what does that tell us about 2020, about the kingdom? Huh? Yeah, it's getting technical now, right? Kingdom is here. It's in your midst. Now, let's look at this. If you take three translations of the Bible, it interprets the word as the kingdom of God is in you. Let's look at the King James Version. The King James Version. Hmm? So, <clears throat> um, um, Sorry. King James and New King James Translates it The kingdom of God is within you But it's not It's not so correct Because the kingdom of God Could not have been in the Pharisees Are you following that now? If if, 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 if I'm Jesus And I say the kingdom of God is within you If we look at that from English Phraseology It means the kingdom of God is inside of you but that wouldn't have been totally correct because the kingdom of God was actually not in the Pharisees because the Pharisees were the ones asking him about the kingdom. Yeah? So the current translation to that, because the Greek word used there is actually in your midst. So the current translation is in your midst. NIV gets it right. New American Standard Bible gets it right. The NET gets it right in that. Now... The NLT and the HCSB Bible, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, translated as the kingdom of God is among you, which is also correct. It says the kingdom of God is in your midst, or the kingdom of God is amongst you. The ESB, the English Standard Version, translates it, and the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So, the current, so if you read it from the King James, where it says the kingdom of God is in you, many people do not really understand it. The truth of the matter is at that time Contextually Now we can say the kingdom of God is in us But contextually When he was talking with the Pharisees Because you must understand something The Bible was written for you but not to you It was written to a set of people At a set of In a a particular geography, so if you want to understand what it what what is said there, you've got to go back and put yourself there and understand what the Bible is saying. So it was the Pharisees that Jesus was answering. Are you with me up until this point? Okay. Now, the the word within you in Greek is in your midst. Now, why did he say in your midst? Because the kingdom at that time was personified by Jesus. So, they were asking him, when will the kingdom come? And Jesus said, he he couldn't, I mean, in simple terms, Jesus would have said, I'm the kingdom. But he didn't say that. He says, listen, the kingdom of God is in your midst. That means, listen, I'm here. This is the kingdom. It's not about when will the kingdom come. Because the physical signs you are trying to observe to know when the kingdom come, the kingdom came in a manger. You didn't see it. It's in your midst. Okay, let me explain it from the parable of Jesus. Matthew, I like the NLT. Do we have the NLT? Does anybody have the NLT? The New I have it here, but I just want to be sure. Does anybody else have the NLT, the New Living Translation? Okay, Mark, what does he say? Just that phrase. Give me that phrase. You won't be able to stay. You, yeah. Or over there. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect. You will not be able to say it's there or it's over there. It says for the kingdom of God is already among you. Glory of God. And listen to me saints of God, it's the same problem with the church today. It's amazing how we're waiting for Jesus and Jesus is amongst us already. In one vein we're waiting for Him. In another vein He's in us. You know, most times in our life, we want God to do dramatic things. Let me tell you something. You know, a lot of people don't believe in God because, I mean, the way God operates. You know, as we're here now, if a wild wind come, a fire, a thunderstorm come, boom, bam, fire, lightning. And you hear a voice say, I'm God, repent or you will die. Come on, I'm telling you, even pastors will give their life to Christ again. You know, but that's not how God works. That's not how God works. And it's the same thing with our lives. God is doing mighty things in your life right now, but because He's not yet visible in your bank account you keep asking God, "When will it be my turn?" We're not queuing up for God. You know, we have this thing because we've also been taught all of those messages, right? It's, up, it's almost like all of us are lining up before God and say, "Hey, God, when will it reach my turn?" But you now hear things like, "When is your turn?" Things we turn. Throw away those nursery rhymes. Those are not the word of God. You must be careful of motivational quotes. Hmm? Motivational quotes does not contain spirit and life. They contain the wisdom of men. You need to be careful. All those things, when it's my turn, things will turn. What's wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with you. God is already working in you. Let's look at what Jesus said about the kingdom. Matthew chapter 13 verse 33. This is interesting. Matthew 13 verse 33. Praise God. Somebody getting something this morning? <laughs> Shaking some religion out of us, right? Some religious understanding. Verse 33, Matthew Matthew thirteen thirty-three. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like living, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all living. Did you see... The, now, Is the parable of Jesus. If you read this short parable now, does it make meaning to you about how the kingdom of God comes? Huh? Or you don't understand too? It's still a parable to you. Let's read it again. Say, Pastor, I don't understand this parable. <laughs> Look at, let's read the parable again. He spoke another parable to them. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like living, hmm? which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all living. It's like when you're mis- mixing your, your flour, you want to bake, right? What do you put that you, you, you guys mix up? Yeast, yeast right. Yeah, I, My mind is telling me yeast, but I just want to be sure. <laughs> right? Do you now take, for instance, you're mixing three cups of flour. Do you take three cups of yeast and say you want everything to be equal? No. What do you do? I know some of you don't bake. You only buy what is baked. So, so just listen to those of us that bake. Okay so for those of us who bake Help me out now What do you do Help me now Don't embarrass your man of God We are live streaming What do you do You take a little what A little quantity of yeast You know that If anybody comes and say He wants to bake And take three cups of flour And three cups of yeast You know that that person Has no idea what the kingdom is So Jesus said That's how the kingdom comes It's a small living And God will mix it in a few people. And gradually, the whole world will become the kingdom of Christ. That is why he now said, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Why? Because the kingdom is now in you. You're the one to spread the kingdom. Can you see the huge responsibility we have? Paul defines the kingdom for us. We'll get there. I mean, this is what I'm teaching in Puerto We over Paul defines the kingdom for us. But see how the kingdom works. So, I'm using this to explain when he said, Luke 17, 20, 21, that the kingdom of God is in your midst. So, what did the Lord do? The Lord released Jesus on the earth. He brought the kingdom. Hmm? And he used the kingdom principles to train three and, three and a half years, three, train 12 disciples. And then, went up to heaven. Released the Holy Spirit. And I've told you about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Greek word used for the Holy Spirit, I'll send another comforter is the word Alos Parakletos. Alos Parakletos is not another of a different kind, it's another of the same kind. That means actually the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they are no difference. It's almost like saying that the Holy Spirit is Jesus in liquid form. And the reason is because if Jesus remains physically on the earth, he will be the only one that can contain the fullness of God. So what God had to do. I remember something my wife told me. What God had to do, (laughs) what God had to do was to take Jesus up, dissolve him into liquid form so he can live in all of us. So the essence of the kingdom in Jesus is the essence of the kingdom in you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, the kingdom functions that way. So, if we keep looking at the kingdom with a physical... The, the reason is because when man fell, physical things became more real to him than spiritual things. Let me give you an example. And I've given this example many times. If you come to church now and I tell you... Maybe you greet me in the morning. I say, Pastor, good morning. I say, oh, you're blessed. Or bless you. Or God bless you. You know you might likely not say amen. Do you, do you realize that? Are you going home or you're here? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You would, you would likely not say amen. But do you know that if you meet a hm, hmm? and maybe you didn't greet the man, the man has say you will see. What, what's going to happen? What, what will happen? The way somebody is even shaking his head, he says, Pastor, why did you point in my direction? <laughs> but what do you think will happen? Huh? Let's be sincere. What do you think will happen? You will respond immediately, I will not see. I will not see. In Jesus' name, I will not see. Now, why are you responding to that? You believe in the curse more than the blessing. I just told you you will be blessed or you are blessed. It didn't mean anything to you. But when somebody says you will see, you have organized dry fasting. Because when man fell, the curse became more real than the blessing physical things became more real than the blessing. That's why a pastor will stand on the pulpit and tell you your reward on the last days that God will build you a house. It does not make sense. Spirits don't live in houses. When Jesus resurrected, he didn't need a key to enter the house anymore. How will God now reward you with a mansion? When you will not need the key? We will deal with that. Hmm? That's why you need to build house here if you want to have house at all. Build here and live in a house. Because if you don't have house here, know that forever you are not a landlord in your life. So I know some of you are be saying, "Don't worry, even if I'm a tenant, God is building my house as boy's quarter." Lie. By the time you get into the realm of the spirit, you realize that God cannot reward you with earthly things. You are now spirit. If you study that scripture very well, Jesus Christ said, "Touch me, I am not flesh and bones." It did not say flesh and blood. Because after resurrection, you don't use blood anymore. We'll deal with that. some of those things. But just take away that your house thing. Just throw it away. Just straight away. Look for land here and buy and build. And then we say, well, but but somebody went to heaven and, and God showed him that the house is almost complete. God will speak to you in the language you understand. God will never show me that my house is complete because I don't want. If there's a house in heaven, let them sell it and bring the money. Let me buy on yours here. Do you understand this thing? That, I want to buy on yours. If there's a house in heaven, they should sell my own and bring. If there's neither marriage nor giving a marriage in heaven, what do you want to do with your house? Only you. you and then the next message they are telling you is that we'll be around the throne shouting holy, holy. If we are shouting holy forever, when are we going to now stay in the house that they have built? You see this confusion caused over in the body of Christ? It's just, people just take things and just take things that don't add up. We are shouting holy, holy. You always say, God, God, I won't go out so holy, holy, God, <laughs> Okay, we'll do two services, you know, the first, the first guys will do and then we'll be at home. And that's why, you know, sometimes when people study to an extent, Christianity don't make sense to them anymore. Because they, you know, it it just don't make sense. Like, what are you talking about? Because we have reduced this thing to two extremes. It's either we are big on money, 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 money. God, we bless you. God, we bless you. God. Then when somebody has money, he now say, why do I need your God? Or it is one day, one day. And the person just says, I'm tired of waiting for that one day. I want to enjoy life now. But when you understand that you are that yeast... That God has put on the earth to spread the kingdom. You will see why the whole of heaven is backing you up to spread the kingdom. Do you understand this? Let's go to Luke 11.20. I know I've said so many things that would sound like puzzles. If you stay in church for the next 10 years, you will understand them. (laughs) You know, we have to teach these things gradually. You know why you are enjoying this as I'm teaching it now? Because over time, we've been expanding the scripture. What does the scripture talk about? Line, what? Upon line. Precept upon precept. Imagine you heard me for the first time and this is the message you're hearing. You won't return. You know, someone asked me a question the other day and I said, don't worry. I'll answer the question. But if I answer the question, now, it will confuse you more. Let's just take things gradually. Hmm? Let me give you an an assignment. You know, the word last day, for instance. Hmm? The word day, sometimes. It's translated last days, several, scriptures of, or, or several portions of scripture by the King James Version. But that word actually, most of the time is translated aeon in the Greek, which means age. So sometimes when you say the last day, it's referring to the last age. And there were several ages, including the age of Judaism. So if you just take it as a literal day, you will miss it. Because the Bible is, is plain, but it's also a literature book in that sense. So you've got to understand the whole of that interpretation. Let's go to um, Luke eleven twenty. 20. No, now, I'll show you something here about the kingdom again. Luke 11, verse 20. Now, go to verse 17. But he knew their thoughts. Jesus casted out a demon. But he knew their thoughts. Um, Okay, let's go to verse fourteen. Let's not rush it so you understand it. Luke eleven fourteen. And he was casting out a demon. And it was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the crowds were amazed. So I told you sometimes some demons are responsible for sicknesses. So if you want to get the people healed, you cast out the demons. This man was mute, but he was mute by Uh, Because of the demons in him The hospital will not be able to trace this They they don't have uh, uh, facilities to test demons Okay, they'll just tell you something And no medicine will work for this Until you cast out the demon Verse 15 But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub The ruler of demons So they said Jesus is using the power of Beelzebub To cast out demons Now Jesus now said Others to test him were demanding of him a sign from heaven 17 But he knew their thoughts and said to them Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And a house divided against itself falls. Okay, let me say this because I picked this in the thoughts of someone. Let let me say this now just as Jesus picked this thought. And somebody said, yeah, but if these things you're teaching are true, why do all our fathers teach this message or teach it this way? Two things I'll tell you. Number one, most of them heard the message from other people. They never studied it. And number two, most of them know this message, but if they teach it, they're afraid of losing the crowd because they've spent years teaching something that's not true. That's the answer to your thoughts. Let's go on. 17, but he knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a house divided against itself. If Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. Verse 19. And if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So that means their sons who are using the spirit of Beelzebub to cast out demons. So they'll be your judges. Verse 20. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. Jesus is teaching us something powerful here. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, huh? Come on now. What's that? Read with me. Then what? Did you see that? Jesus says, if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God. Now, when he uses the word finger of God, most of us will not understand. But the Jews understood. How did the Jews understand? Because in Exodus chapter 8 verse 19, the magician said, after Moses did all his things, this is the finger of God. So when he says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, he wasn't saying, if I cast out demons by pointing and doing like this and falling people. No, that's not the finger of God. When he said finger of God, they knew, you don't know, but they knew that he was referring, in fact, back to the hand that led them out of Egypt. You can read that. In Ex- okay, thank you. Exodus 8, 19. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. So, they understood that the finger of God meant the power of God. So, he says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So, he explains it. Go to the next line. When a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are on the stock. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on on which he had relied and distributed his plunder. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man. He passes through waterless places seeking rest. Not finding any. And he says, I will return to my house from which I came. Now understand something. Jesus is talking here. He says, that demon who says, I am returning to my house. He says, but when the kingdom of God come... He was trying to explain that The kingdom of God has come upon you And he explained that What he's trying to say is that For me to cast out that demon from you The kingdom of God has to come on you And overpower that demonic strong man And set you free Are you following that? Because for a kingdom to overtake another kingdom He has to conquer the king of that kingdom so, Jesus was saying, when I deliver you, you have received the kingdom already. Because the kingdom of God had already overpowered that demonic spirit. And we are not the one who possessed that house. So, the kingdom has come. Are you, are you understanding this now? Now, I will show you something because we read this but we don't understand it. Go to Acts chapter 10. Let me show you now. Um, no, not Acts 10. Acts word now? Uh, go to Acts 10. Acts 10. Okay, but if you read the NLT... Uh, Mr. Brown, let me confirm again. With the NLT. Luke eleven twenty, 20. Does it say this? But if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Right? Do you see that this is the same thing he told them in Luke? Can you see that Jesus is consistent? That by me being in your midst, the kingdom has arrived. So we cannot be awaiting... A kingdom that has arrived. Okay. Another puzzle. So, Paul now says that you pray that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that you may know. So, all of Paul's prayer was that our eyes would be open to know, to know, to know. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Huh? So, you realize that there's so much to dig concerning the kingdom. Let's go to Acts chapter 10. Let me show you something here because of our time. Acts chapter 10. Imagine if you have been hearing these messages since you were born again. Ooh. You'll be a faith giant now. Instead of running from generational curses. Something that Jesus never taught. You know, I saw a program, saw a, program a funny theme of a program uh, in town. A man like me cannot kill me. Acts 10.38. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm just wondering, how do I even get themes of programs? Acts 10.38 Interesting, interesting Listen to this We're going to do a a bit of Greek lesson Listen to this Acts 10.38 Acts 10.38 Follow this How God You know of Jesus of Nazareth How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit Now when it talks about Jesus of Nazareth was anointed The word anointed Is to smear, to rub oil on now, the Jews understood what they were saying. Because the anointing of Jesus of Nazareth clearly shows that he was the Messiah. That's why when they put Jesus of Nazareth, they were clear to say that because they understood clearly that that was the Messiah. Now listen to this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing All who were oppressed by the devil For God was with him Now, now Follow me closely Who else made this statement About God being with Jesus? Can you remember? Who else? Bible students? Who who else made this very clear statement? No? God was with Nicodemus Nicodemus, he says, no man can do these signs except God is with him. Now, Nicodemus understood that the Messiah was going to be anointed and he was going to have certain signs. And when Nicodemus saw those signs, he knew that he was pointing to the Messiah. Did you follow that? Come on, did you follow that? Now, he now says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with holy God and with power and doing good and healing all who are oppressed over there. But now, let's take a bit of Greek lessons now. The word oppressed is the Greek word kata dunesto. Kata dunesto is a long word. It means to exercise dominion. Listen carefully. So put scriptures to scriptures. It says Jesus was healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That word is a long word, katonesto. It means all that were under the rule or the oppression or the dominion hash control of Satan. The other place it's used in Acts is, is, is in James chapter 2, verse verse, um, verse 6, where it says the rich men oppress the poor. The rich who oppress you, who exercise dominion over you. So, what was Paul saying in Acts thirty eight? He says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. That when he went about, what he was doing was he was freeing men from the dominion of Satan. Did you follow that? Because he says, if I cast out devils by the finger of God, then the kingdom has come. So when the kingdom comes, you are freed from the oppression of Satan. So when we say Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed, essentially Jesus went about distributing the kingdom. That is why in Colossians 1.13, it says, You have now been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Because that word oppression used there is a word which signifies dominion. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we good there? All right. So if you read John three two, it says, "Rabbi, no man can do these signs except God is with him." Confirming that he was the Messiah. Acts chapter two, verse twenty two. Paul said the same thing that Jesus was accredited or attested by signs and wonders. Acts two twenty two. There's one more stuff I need to talk to you before today ends. Acts two twenty two. Are you learning something? Acts 2 22 quickly. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested, attested, accredited, certified to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst just as you yourself know. So the miracles and the signs of Jesus were an attestation to the fact that he was the Messiah. Jesus was not just performing miracles to show power. The miracles were a confirmation that if you read the law and the prophet, it will point to you that this was the Messiah so they can embrace the kingdom. Are you following this? Yes, Let's do one more. Let me explain one more to you concerning the kingdom, then we can wrap up. And then, you take this message and you go and meditate on it. So, if we're teaching on the gospel of the kingdom again, we'll pick up from part five. Okay? And we're going to run. Not... I'm going to end it this month So you can digest You know all of this And then when we pick up next year We'll pick from part six, part 5 So we'll continue from this and, and go on Because there are still so many things I haven't explained to you What does the kingdom of the father mean The kingdom of heaven All of those differences They are all part of the message But let's pause for now uh, So let me explain something to you Paul, remember we said in Acts chapter 28 Verse 32, 33, um, 31 Paul talks about the kingdom. That's the message Paul was preaching, right? So, Paul explains to us what the kingdom is. Because then the next question is, so what is the kingdom of God? It's very clear. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. So, Paul explains it clearly. In fact, it's defined. And like I said, if you go through scripture, scripture will explain itself. Romans fourteen seventeen. Romans 14, 17. Paul now says, now in context, Paul was talking about meat. Romans, you know meat to idols and the rest, but I want to explain it from scriptures. Romans fourteen seventeen. For the kingdom of God <laughs> is not what? Come on, church, read it together. Everybody want to go. Romans 1417. Everybody go, want to go. For the kingdom of God is not what? Eating and drinking, but what? Righteousness and what? Enjoy and what? No, 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 pause. If I say the kingdom of God is not this, but. It means that the kingdom of God is that thing, right? So I can take out the word not eating and drinking. And we can say, but but for the kingdom of God is. Am I right? English people. If I say for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but. Now, that means I can take away that eating and drinking. And take away that but. And just put is. Okay, you don't understand it. Do you understand it? Sorry, see, Pastor, we're coming to church, not school. Yeah, but do you understand it? Okay, so let's read it without the eating and drinking. I will explain what eating and drinking means to you, but let's exp- let's read it right. For the kingdom of God is what righteousness and peace and joy. Pause, 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 pause. Don't rush, because you miss something there now. Something very important. Something very important. You miss it there. Don't don't rush. Hold it. What's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God? What's the kingdom of God? Fantastic. And do you think we can have all of these things without visible signs? Does this tally with what Jesus said about the kingdom? That it will not... Can you observe righteousness? You can see the effects of righteousness, but you cannot observe the signs of righteousness. Okay. Now, very important, where is this? In. in, No, that word is important. It tells us what the kingdom is. That this component is in the Holy Ghost. So, if righteousness, peace and joy is the kingdom, and the kingdom is in the Holy Ghost, so we can understand how the kingdom comes without visible observation. Because when you receive the Holy Ghost, the kingdom came. Okay, you didn't get it. Righteousness, peace, and joy. In. E- in e means what? <laughs> is there any definition to in? E? In e means inside. <laughs> righteousness, peace, and joy. Inside the Holy Spirit. So, if this is... Now I've got water here. So let's say this water contains righteousness. Eh? Peace and joy. What does water contain? H2O. What's H? What's H? Okay. And what? What's O? Okay. So, let's say the kingdom of God is H2O. Right. H for what? Okay, H for Holy Ghost. Are you a CSC member? Okay. Alright. So, let's say H is what? Hydrogen, right? And O is what? Oxygen. Makes up water. So, let's say H is righteousness. Oh, is, uh, peace and joy. Now, this cup is the Holy Spirit. Flowered Holy Spirit. <laughs> and black... Holy Spirit is got black cup. Now, if I give... Gideon, come. If I give, quickly. If I give... Now, we agree that the Holy Ghost is the water. The, 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 the kingdom is the water. If I give... Now... The the water is the kingdom. Do we agree on that now? Which is the H two O, right? Now this is the Holy Spirit. This is this is an example, please. Don't send me email. <laughs> this is the Holy Spirit, hmm? and this is Gideon. Man is not born again. All right, so <laughs> you're not born again. <laughs> so he hears the message. He hears the message, and he gets born again. And I now take the Holy Spirit. And give it to him. Simple question. Does he have the kingdom now? Why? Why would you say he has the kingdom? Because righteousness, joy and peace, which is H2O, is where? Is in the Holy Spirit, in the cup. Now he's got it. Now why did I have to? Now what happens with the ascension of Jesus? Jesus went up to heaven and produced many cups. Because if Jesus was still on earth, he was the only one who had the cup. And if 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 now 7 billion people want to get born again, they're going to fight over this cup. So Jesus went to heaven, they must produce more cups, so that if I give Gideon one cup, I can give him another cup, I can give him another cup, another of the same kind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You don't need Jesus to be physically with you anymore. It's unbelief. Because he is distilled in cups. Now, remember the parable of the living, Matthew chapter 13. The Holy Spirit gets inside his spirit. You know this is not, this is not Gideon, right? This is, this is not Gideon. This is, this is flesh. Right? Then he's got a soul in his mind. Where he thinks whether I'm a good pastor or I'm a bad pastor, all those like, ah, oh, pastor, pastor is a thief, they do like, oh, it's all the money, this church doesn't have love, you know. Blah, blah, blah. All of this takes place in his head. Right? Crazy thoughts. Takes place, head. crazy, good, bad, ugly. Everything on his head. Soul, soul realm. Soul is made up of the will, intellect, and the illusion. He decides, I'm not coming to church again. Stupid people. Yeah, all those things are in his head. Right? But the kingdom gets on his spirit. Hmm? Remember? The Holy Spirit has to sit in your spirit, not your mind. So the Holy Spirit is in his spirit. Remember the parable of the living. The Holy Spirit gets on your spirit and is expected. What did he say? If the man takes three measures, spirit, soul, and body, and puts a yeast inside, and the whole body is leavened. So what does the Holy Spirit expect? You allow him to move from your spirit, get into your soul, get into your body, and then you become immortal. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, what you're waiting for with the rapture can happen if you allow the Holy Ghost to move inside of you. That's another puzzle. Go said. Do you understand this now? So, that's the kingdom. So, why do we come to church? All this teaching I'm teaching you now is to allow the kingdom to flow through you. So, when you leave this gate and somebody say, fool, you will now remember, peace, 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 peace your mind would be like, cause them back, Waka, your father. And the Holy Spirit would say, can you just allow me to rule? The problem you have with Christians is they don't allow the kingdom to flow. It's in you already. you realize that every time you want to insult somebody, the Holy Spirit is telling you, walk in love. Walk in love. That's the kingdom trying, they suffering violence, that's the violence. How do we press into the kingdom? So, This whole thing, man, this whole thing, you have to work it out. Do you understand that? So I've explained that. Now let me explain what meat and drink is. Because my Sunday school teacher, when I was small, misinterpreted this scripture. It was not correct. He said, when we go to heaven, anything we want. And then I used to like my mind. Say anything you want, you just ask, it will just show up. See, in my mind, I wanted to make heaven by all means. So I'll just sit down and say, my mind. You see, let's not try to make things appeal that way to people. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> what is meat and drink? When Paul says the kingdom is not meat and drink, he's not saying the kingdom is not malt and doughnut. Meat and drink refers to the Jewish system. So he was saying the kingdom of God is not without Judaistic system it is now with what Jesus had brought. Let's go through it. Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two, verse sixteen. All right, Colossians two sixteen. Is somebody understanding this thing here? All right, Colossians two sixteen. Verse fifteen. Let's look at verse fifteen. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities. He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Now, this one happened on the cross. Now, let me, let me, let me address something again, because I just said something now that might give you a bit of bother when I talked about the immortality of your body. Uh, and then somebody said, Well, we cannot achieve that. We can. The scripture tells us that. Number one, a snake beat Paul and nothing happened to him. Nothing. Go and read about what a venomous snake would do to you. In minutes, you'll be dead. Philip moved from one city to another. God took him from one city to another. And the force of gravity did not impact on him. So in the New Testament, we are practical examples of people who operated the high dimension of God in their bodies. And that's what we should strive for as a church. Do you realize when Paul was preaching all night and somebody fell from the window and died? I'm looking towards those all night preaching. fell from the window and died. What did Paul do? Paul went back, breathed on him, brought him back, and continued teaching. They didn't even allow the guy to share his testimony. Because that his death was a distraction to the service. Hmm? It's just like people saying, if you die again, when Paul is teaching, this is his last message, if you die again, we will kill you. (laughs) So they just went, they raised it, they didn't just say, when you die, what did you see? Stop asking dead people what they saw. We got the word of God. The word of God is a more sure word of prophecy. I went to heaven. I did not, I did not see somebody with trust. It on they said, if you wear a ring. you will not come here. I are you, are you? I want to use one word, but the, the, the kingdom is growing in me. <laughs> What's that? And Jesus is not taking you around people wearing a earrings. Jesus has only one role now. He sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He's not doing excursion through heaven. He's not trying to show us how much the project is complete. Throw those dreams away. I don't care who has them. The first time the word rapture was ever used and it was published in the church was in 1830. It was a woman by the name of Margaret MacDonald. She had a vision and saw that Jesus came to catch up the saints. And then the Assemblies of God had a printing press. They printed that vision on their manor, on their Sunday school manor. And that's when the first four church fathers, origin Alexander Austin, they didn't teach it. That's when people began to teach it. Because it shaped an eschatological view. Go go read a bit more. This thing about Christianity is not just that you want to go somewhere. It's about the kingdom spreading through us until the whole world is covered. All you need to know about this message is to ask what was God's original plan. Genesis one twenty six. What did God ordain from man from the beginning? It's clear. Are you still here? So I'm explaining meat and drink to you now. That's just... Uh... Colossians 2.16. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink. Or in regard or in respect to a festival of a new moon or a Sabbath days. Verse 17. Verse 17 gives us a clue. These which are mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So, now, if he says, no one is to judge you concerning food and drink, for there are shadows of things to come. Now, it won't, won't just be referring to ordinary drink. Am I right? No, because ordinary drink is not a shadow. Because he talks about other things here. He talks about the Sabbath. What did Jesus say about the Sabbath? The Sabbath was not made for man. Man was, uh, man was made for um, the Sabbath. Come on now. What did Jesus say about the Sabbath? Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. And he is the Lord of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath, which was a Jewish um, holiday, testified of Jesus being our rest. Including the new moon, including the Passover, including the meats and the drinks. So what Paul was saying, they understood is we are having a problem with it. What Paul was saying is that the kingdom is not resident in the Jewish system of Judaism. Rather, the kingdom is now in the Holy Spirit that you received on the day of Pentecost. Okay. Let me give you more scriptures. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Uh, oh, time is going. Uh, Hebrews 13. I, do you understand this? Not yet. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Do you understand it? <laughs> this silence. Let our offerings not drop today. Do you understand? Just say yes. Just, even if you don't, just say yes first. By faith. Do you understand it? <laughs> okay. So, I'll take you to two scriptures again that would explain what meat and drink is. I want you to get it. So when he says, because some people say, well, the kingdom is not meat and drink. It's not just about what? No. It, that meat and drink there was referring to the Judaistic system. Because what Paul was trying to say is that the kingdom now doesn't come in that system because they were expecting the Messiah to come in that system and that ritual and all those Jewish um, festivals. So let's read this quickly. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Hebrews 13 8, 8 and 9. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. So this is very simple. If Jesus represents the kingdom, typifies the kingdom, what can we say of the kingdom? The kingdom is past, present and future. Jesus, the kingdom was there, is here and we're still growing and it's still emanating and it's still culminating. Okay? Because the Bible tells us about the conclusion of the end of the age of things to come. Verse 9. Do not be carried away by varied and strange doctrines. Observe. Teachings, he uses in the New American Standard. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Observe that word, grace. Not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. So he talks about, uh, verse 10, for we have an altar... Which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat for the bodies of those animals. Do do you see it now? He's talking about the food now, then he's talking about the sacrificial animals. For the bodies of these animals whose blood is brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are born outside the camp. Verse 12, therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Do you understand that? Okay, I rushed it, but you understand it. He said, those animals were sacrificed outside the camp. He said, Jesus also, so that he would become the substance of that, was crucified outside Jerusalem. So when they crucified Jesus outside Jerusalem, it wasn't just because there was no space in the town. It was so he could fulfill the fact that the sacrificial lamb cannot be sacrificed in the city. It must be sacrificed outside the gate. So when the Jews saw Jesus outside Jerusalem, they knew what he signified. That's it. Now, let's go on. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8. So, the Old Testament is clearly explained in the New. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 8 to 10. The Holy Spirit is signifying this. That the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing. That means people could not enter the holies of holies while the synagogue was still standing. And that's why the temple had to be destroyed in AD 70. AD 70. The the, the 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 curtain was turned from top to bottom. Verse 9. Which is a symbol for the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make the worshipper perfect in conscience. So the old could not make the, the worshipper perfect in conscience. Go to verse 10. Since they only relate to food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body... Imposed until a time of reformation. Did you see that? He said, This food and drink and various washings were imposed until the time of reformation. What is the time of reformation? Verse 11. But when Christ appeared as high priest. Of the good things to come. He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands. That is to say none of this creation. And not through the blood of goats and calves. But through his own blood glory to God. He entered the holy place once for all. Having obtained an eternal redemption. These passages we just read. Was what Paul explained in Romans 14, 17. That the kingdom is not meat and drink. But it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. No man truly finds God and doesn't have joy. Even in the most adverse of circumstances. That is why Paul wrote from from prison. He says rejoice. I tell you again, rejoice. That was a man writing from prison. Why? He had the joy of the Holy Spirit. You know the song we used to sing, this joy I have, the world can't take it away. The world can't take it because the world didn't give it. This is not a joy from your bank account. This is not a joy because you're married or not married. This is not a joy whether you have children or you don't have children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This joy is in the kingdom. is in you. Have you understood something this morning? Yes, sir. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word. It gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. I pray, Father God, that people's life will be supernaturally transformed. And you cause this word to go forth and go further in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, mighty God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you blessed this morning? All right. Give a big offering to the Lord. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805-888-7575 God bless you.